we pray. Everybody prays that I forget to pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be your spokesman, your messenger today. And I thank you that you have a plan for every one of us and a plan for this congregation and this family, part of your family here this year. And we ask and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this year, towards the end of last year, with my bent insight and, and gifting, I, I just sensed this year was going to be very, very different. You, you probably hear that. And uh, <clears throat> if you know anything about uh, Bible interpretation and prophecy, it's a common thing for God to say, look at the events that are happening in the natural, because I'm about to do something in the spiritual. So there's parallels and uh, I want to encourage you not to get caught up in the politics of things or, or <clears throat> try to spiritualise events that are happening in the world too much. But we do need to learn from what's going on. And, and uh, I don't need to tell any of you how severe and extreme the climactic things have been, not just the fires, the floods and so on. And in Bible terms, <clears throat> when you look in the history of the Bible, God often says, look at that. Because I have something in the spirit. And, and it's not a stretch of the imagination in any way to say that it's been extreme. And I want to say to you that this year, in God's plan and economy, and it's not just my understanding, I, I do have an ear and I look around what some of the prophetic voices are saying in the world today. And it's not the majority. It's often those who, who look in the Bible. And, and, and I think God's very practical. And anyway, I think this year isn't a year of potential. I have a, when I was in America, when my daughter-in-law got very sick, she's a, a Mexican back of descent background, and like a good, a lot of Latin mums, she was born to worry, and the first, her first response often when things go a little south is, oh, what's going to happen, and you know, and so on, and I've probably trained myself not to be like that. And uh, even though, and, and it's a battle sometimes not to worry, not to have things in your mind go that way. But as soon as it happened, and I, I just felt to say to her, and this is where the, the topic and the message, which I believe is very prophetic for us in this congregation today and for this year, I said to her, Whoa, just hang up a minute, because she works. My son and my daughter in law, they work flat out to make ends meet in America. It's very hard. Uh, to live and to work and to make ends meet in America. She said, oh, I can't go to work. And she didn't go to work for two weekends. And she has to work three nights a week, travel on the highway an hour to go to work all night in a, um, in a job situation. She said, I can't work. And she was, went to the doctors and worried about pneumonia and so on and thing. And I just And she's a Christian. But she hasn't been to church for a while because she had some discouragements and you know, with church and so on. And I said, <clears throat> we need to s- stop and not let the, the devil just have a field day with your mind. And I said, we need to believe and press in. We need to rest in God. And I began to share with her and the Holy Spirit gave me some, which we would call revelation, some keys to how we need to rest in God. And I've only ever spoke on this subject once about 15 years ago. And I'm speaking today about that rest, that Sabbath rest that's available in God. And as I was sharing with this, she said to Joel, come and listen to what your dad's saying. You know, when you're in, 
in real situations in your home and sickness and worries and cares about whether bills are going to be paid, you know, it's, it's not a natural thing to say, oh, God is speaking to us. Listen to that word. She said, Joel, listen to what your dad's saying. And, I, and, and as I'm speaking to her, I said, we need to learn to rest. Because, you know, I don't need to tell any of you that probably one of the lack of understandings of the truth in Scripture is about the Sabbath rest. We all know that God created man and on the seventh day he rested. Do you think God was tired? He wasn't. The Bible tells us God doesn't need rest. He doesn't need to recuperate. But there's a purpose in his rest. And part of the purpose, I believe, is to provide for us that rest and that peace. And it made a difference with my daughter-in-law and and as I'm sharing with her, I'm thinking, God's speaking to us. And I said, you know what? When I go back to Australia, I said, I might speak on this. And it's happening. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, and most of what I'm reading today is in the Message Bible. But it says here, look, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore, as many of you Christians could testify. Now we look inside. Here's the key to what I encourage you all today. Because my frustration the last few years, and Pastor Ben will tell you, tell you, tell you, um, <coughs> that I see most of the Western church struggling with fear, anxiety, worries and cares. In fact, we should be that testimony in the community, in our neighbourhood, that despite all those things and events and, and struggles and tests that we have, we still have that peace and that surety. But it's not that way. Much of the church is struggling. And I kept asking the question, why, why? Why are we, we succumbing to the same worries and cares and, and anxiety and, and mental illness and, and all those things as anybody else? And I believe that the Lord has shown me that not understanding and not entering into the Sabbath rest is one of the main reasons. At creation, God created the principle of the Sabbath rest for us. In Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, if you read that, and we're going to have a look at a little bit of it today, it's actually very heavy. Most of you know the scripture, and in the midst of that teaching, the context of God's word is like a two-edged sword for the dividing of soul and spirit. And you hear that scripture, many of you that raised in the, you've been in the church for a long time, oh, and the context of that is this. It's about the Sabbath rest and about us entering into that place of peace and restoration that God has for us. And I don't know how, but the devil has taken us away from understanding that. And so we don't have the victory that we often sing about. And in the scripture here, to finish it off in 2 Corinthians 5.16, so we look inside and what we see is that everyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and the new life burgeons, uh, 
I guess that's like, is it, what is it, what's the word for that? It, yeah, it, the new life is like coming forth like that. Bur- burgeoning, is it? Here's a scripture that many of you know, and you may not have tied it in with the, the whole theme of the Lord's Sabbath. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you that labour and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Oh, and in the Amplified it says, I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Most teaching on the Sabbath rest is about, oh, whether we keep it, and it's a religious thing. It becomes, whole, whole denominations are formed on the fact we don't celebrate or we don't set aside the Sabbath. That's not what it's about. Primarily the Lord's rest and the Sabbath rest, which are, are now one, incorporated in, in, in Christ, is about resting for our souls and our spirits, as well as our bodies. Where is the enemy having a field day in the church today? In the soul, in the mind. Primarily because, we read that scripture, because we're not living out of and through our spirits. If you're a born-again Christian, you have greater is he that's in you, in your spirit, than he that's in the world. But somehow the devil's tricked the church, the Western church, to try to battle and fight here in the mind. And the Bible says, don't judge anyone anymore according to the flesh. Look at their spirits. Look what I'm doing. Look who they really are. But what do we do? We look at the outside. We listen to all this stuff that's going on and we fight the devil in his territory. Instead of where the Lord says, The battle's not yours, it's mine. And until we live out of our spirit, the the regenerated, the united spirit, we're going to be fighting a losing battle. He'll have us running and worrying and going this way and that way. And that's why when you read Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, he's so heavy and so strong on it. He basically says, if you don't understand this and enter in and partake of the Lord's Sabbath rest, you're gone. It's not a choice. It's not some... I used to think, to be honest with you, I used to have this sort of attitude that the Sabbath rest is an option. Along life's journey as a Christian, you know, we can get that rest if we need it. But what he's saying is, if you don't come to me and you don't live out of me and you don't draw strength from me, we will fall. But in him, we have everything we need. But it's our choice. It's our decision. You know, and, and, the, and the, the enemy's got us looking at one another and pointing fingers and poking and this and worrying about this and all these things Jesus said in his early sermons. Don't worry about these things. What you'll eat, what you'll wear, where you'll live, what your income's going to be. Because even the people that don't have my spirit worry about all those things. But I have better for you. Isaiah 30. 15 in the message, it says, Your salvation requires you turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourself. And it's not just talking about when we first come to Christ. He's talking about a people back then that didn't have the opportunity to be born again. This Old Testament. When we come to Christ, you know, like in Galatians, he said, Who's bewitched you that you want to go back to the law? I've given you freedom. Live in that. 
There's power in Christ. There's freedom in him. There's liberty in him. Come to me, all ye that labour in heaven land. Uh, we've read that. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. I guarantee any one of you here today to tell me, I, I need rest in this area. This is where I struggle to let go and give it to God. For my yoke is wholesome, oh, this is in the Amplified, useful, good, not harsh or hard or sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious and pleasant. My burden is light and easy to be borne. The understanding and the teacher, I remember when I was a young Christian, learning about this, when it's, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, you know what it's referring to? The, the reference is oxen, ploughing, and they yoke together with those big wooden things. That's what Jesus says. That is the reference. What it means is, it's not Jesus out there in heaven saying, bless me, give me peace, take away my problems. He's saying, no, you've got to work with me. You've got to let me be yoked together. Because the, the, the uh, liberty, the, the Lord's rest in the, uh, in the ancient Hebrew and the, uh, and the modern Greek, in the Bible Greek, it says that it's not a rest from work, it's a rest in work. So it's not a time, oh, you know, people, I just need time out. And I'm, common sense, I understand we do need that physical rest. But what God is saying, in the midst of all you need to do, you will find peace for your souls and rest. You know, and we often relate that, but, oh, when I was a Christian, it was, it was so good. There's a song that I've been playing for a few months. It's called Take Me Back to Where I Was as a New Christian. And it's not talking about just his first love. He's talking about the place of peace. He says, it was so easy then. It was easy to trust God. It was easy to forgive people. It was easy to love. Friends, that's where we're supposed to stay and move on. And I see and look around and I see people tempted by the enemy because there's just so much confusion in their mind. And there's not a place of peace and rest there. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It doesn't say get someone else. It doesn't say God, pray to God that he'll give you peace. He says, there's the option. That's what's available to us, the peace of God. And if we don't have the peace of God, we need to ask the question, Lord, why have I lost my peace? Why isn't it happening there? And often there's a thing, okay, forgive that person. Do that. Let go of this. Trust me, says the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Why would you overcome, OJ? it's talking about... It's a prophetic book, as you know, in Isaiah. Oh, Jacob, or wine, Israel. Whining. Does that sound like the church today? Whining. God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired and he doesn't pause to catch his breath. See, we think that's what it's about. Oh, God had a rest. And the rest that it's talking about, the Sabbath rest, is a different thought. This is the biblical meaning. The definition, and I won't try to pronounce the Greek word like Damien does, but uh, it means cessation, stopping, refreshment, to give relief, rest, quiet, recreate, refresh, inward tranquility, while we perform necessary labour. This is what God has provided for us in Christ, through his spirit. 
But friends, what I'm seeing, not a lot of Christians make choices, strong choices. And we, sometimes I think this year we're going to find ourselves needing to make some choices daily. I'm not going to listen to that. Whether it be the devil, our own logic or some other gossip that's going on, I'm not going to listen to that because it'll take my peace away. It'll take my rest away. And I wonder why I have anxiety and fear in that and trepidation. You know, God is showing me that this, it's real and it works. That's why in Hebrews, and if you turn there with your Bibles, if you've got the hard copies, not many of us have, but I, as I said, I'm old school. Only because I'm too lazy to get up to date with the technology. No, no. That could be the truth. Chapter 3 in Hebrews talks about this, but I just pick it up in Hebrews 4.1. God's promise of entering his place of rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with <coughs> water. <coughs> it wasn't meant to come out like that. <coughs> it was, oh no, I need water now. I better not get too excited. I'll just better tone it down a bit. God's promise of entering his place of rest still stands, so we ought to tremble. This is New Testament. With fear that some of you might fall and not get there. Fail to get, get there. For this good news, that God has prepared a place of rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. And it's referring to back to Israel and the promised land before they went in to take all that God promised I shared with Pastor Ben, and when I was a young Christian in the church with Linda some 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Linda was a baby in arms back there then. And, uh, and I started becoming a minister, and God's, when I was reading through that story of Israel and the promised land, they sent in 12 spies because they'd finally come to the place of going across and inheriting all the blessings of God. That's where we are today. Spiritually, at that place, many of you have received promises from God. And there's timing and there's reasons sometimes why we haven't yet seized hold of those promises. But I want to tell you, this God has shown me that much of it is because we're failing to trust and believe God and seize hold of it. And that's what the teaching is in Hebrews 3 and 4 about the Lord's rest. And it ties in with faith and trust. It says, some of you failing. But the good news that God has prepared a place of rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't believe. This is not talking about those who don't believe God and salvation. I'm talking to Christians primarily today. And we're at that place where many of us as a church and individually receive God's promise. I will do this. And it's been confirmed and you've believed in your heart. Yes, that's what it is. But over time and through circumstances and trials, we've taken that promise and let it go up and just build that in in the mind. But it did them no good because they didn't believe what God told them. For only we who believe can enter that place of rest. You're hearing that today. It's there for us all. But only those who believe can enter into that place of rest. And friends, the devil has nothing on us, but I can see 
And many of you can see where he's been winning the battle with the church and with Christians. In our minds. We've got to believe that greater is he that's in us. And we've got to start looking and living out of our spirits. The scripture says, don't judge anyone any longer according to the flesh, what they look like and what they act like. I was talking to a young Christian in the church the other week and I said, what God has shown me, look to people's hearts. That makes sense. That's what the scripture says. Look to this spirit and you'll see not just the potential, you'll see who God's really called them to be. Because the only way the Bible says, who knows the mind of the spirit except the spirit of God? Who knows, knows the mind of other, someone else's spirit? You can judge him by their actions, but the Lord doesn't. He looks to the heart of man. The scripture says he divides the thoughts of the intents of the heart and spirit. We need to take these simple teachings of scripture and say it's true. Instead of looking at their bad behavior and their conduct, God, show me. Show me what the issue is. Show me what the problem is so I can help them and pray for them and whatever. This is the scripture. This is the peace that God has for us. We don't go looking for something. It's available to every believer and every Christian. For only we who believe can enter that place of rest. As for those who didn't believe, God said in my anger, and I made a vow, they'll never enter my place of rest. Wow. And that's not just one scripture. That's repeated about six to seven times in these two chapters. Why? Why is it? Is it heavy or... It's life and death. He's trying to get us to realise, I have this for you. But you're listening to that voice and you're listening to that voice. I said, come to me, all you that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not an option. He won't deny you. And the, and the uh, synonymous thing with that place of rest is recovery of breath. This implies relaxing or letting down the cords or the strings which have been strained or t- drawn tight. You ever feel like that? You talk to people, oh, if I can just get some rest. I just feel so tight. Sound familiar? That's the, that's the synonym of what God's saying, why we need the rest. It's not primarily a physical thing. It's a mind, a soulish thing. And you know what? We need rest for our spirit. The revelation, and I'll jump a couple of pages here, the revelation that God gave me when I was talking to my daughter-in-law was this. There's three areas we need rest in. In the garden, man was tempted in three areas, spirit, mind, and body. Jesus in the wilderness was tempted in three areas, spirit, mind, and body. I've never read this. Isn't it good when the Holy Spirit teaches us something you've never read before, but it's biblical, So the Lord told me we need rest in our spirits, mind and body. The body doesn't, it's pretty, you know, makes a lot of sense. We need rest from work. Common sense. I don't need to convince any of you. We do need rest from work. Labour. Now this is where we need rest from. We need rest in warfare. We don't fight with flesh and blood and things like that. I want to read you a scripture in Ephesians 6, in the Message Bible. And you've, you've heard this before. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons. See, it's not something out there you say, God, give me. He's made them for us. It's available. 
of the best materials and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is the promise of God. This is why we have to believe. God has provided every single thing we need to stand up against the devil. Oh, yeah, but you don't know. No, I don't know. But they didn't enter into the promised land. They sent in 12 spies. They came back. All the things God told them would be there was there. But what did they do? They didn't look through the promise and their spirit, the heart of God. They looked to all the circumstances around them. Yeah, God did say that, but look, 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 look. Oh, in our church, there's this, there's squabbling, there's fighting. We haven't got this in the church. We haven't got this preacher in the church. We haven't got that in the church. But did God promise that he would do that for you? Yes, he did. So the choice today, friends, is not whether, you know, I can convince you. It's whether you choose to believe. That's the choice. And he says, this, there's no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about it in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. This is Ephesians 6. This is for keeps a life and death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Wow, that's pretty full on. Be prepared. Here's a, here's a good revelation in this version. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. A lot of us can say amen to that. Take all the help you can get every weapon God has, insu- has ensued. Take all the help you can get. Friends, it's not just what God has given us in his spirit within us. We need to stand together. We need to build each other up and speak to our, the spirits of one another and, and, and remind each other. The scripture actually says that. So that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll be standing on your feet. That's the promise of God. It's not a nice platitude. That's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. And, you know, it's so important. It's, it's not a grey area. There's some things in the Bible which are black and white. If you will choose to come to me in your time of doubt and fear and struggle, and we'll all have them, I will not cast you away. I will yoke myself to you. I will walk with you. And when you can't carry the load like an oxen, I will carry the weight for you. It's a real thing. From creation, God created the Sabbath. The Bible says man wasn't created for the Sabbath. You think that would be the answer for all these who get legalistic about having the day off? The Sabbath was created for man. It was not just a time of physical rest. It was a time when the land was healed. And there's a Sabbath rest in, rest in principle. It's not about the day. It's about time. We need renewing every week. We need refreshing every week. And he goes on to say, truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them to get through your life. The command, it's a command to enter his rest. For all true worshippers and believers, human effort trying to find peace and rest will never satisfy your souls. Which is only found in Jesus. Faith and trust in the finished work and present provision must become a reality as we learn to wait upon him. I remember, it wasn't last year, I think it was the year before, um, through one of the young adults meeting, I think it was Jack, that God really put on his heart that we needed to learn to wait. 
And in the Western world and the church, we're not good at waiting. I want it and I want it now. Nothing's happening. What's God doing? Just be patient. You would think the day of Pentecost would have been a clue. They waited and waited and waited until God moved. Then all heaven and earth moved. They were in prison, Paul and Silas. They were in prison, couldn't go nowhere. They had opportunity to wait. They just sang. What could we do? Just sing. Remind ourselves of what God. Spirit. Spirit. They could have said it's, it's sewage down here. It was. They were in the bottom of the prison. It was sewage. Stunk. That's what they could have focused on. That's what we can focus on in our life. The sewage that's going on around us. All that stuff. I won't say the word. Nelly did. Um, or we can say, God promised us this and we're waiting for you, God. And what happened? The place was shaken. The least likely place in your life that you expect a miracle. This year, I'm telling you, I've been prophesying to some of my friends, this year you're going to see some things happen and breakthroughs with people that you never realise. Like in a prison where it's going to be shaken, so much so the doors opened. That opportunity to witness. Oh, I've never had opportunity before. You will. If you faint not, if you wait on God, if you take what's yours, he's in you. Three areas of rest, work, warfare, the battle is the Lord's. 2 Corinthians 10.4, 2 Chronicles 20.18. I think I actually, 2 Chronicles, I've got that scripture down here. It's a good, good one. 2 Chronicles, have I got it? If I haven't, we'll move on. I thought I had it. Oh, yes, I have. I think I, here it is, right there. It's on the same page. <clears throat> this is God's war. 2 Chronicles 20.18. This is God's war, not yours. Tomorrow you go after them, this is the enemy. See, they're already on their way up to the slopes of Ziz. You'll meet them at the end of the ravine near the wilderness. You, don't, you won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm. Judah and Jerusalem, which speaks of the church. And watch God's saving work for you to take shape. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. March out boldly. God is with you. That's the promise. But we're going to be tempted to doubt. We're going to be tempted to fear. Oh, did God really say? And when we look back in Hebrews, he says time and time again, in my anger, made of other, never enter my rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who merely heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. It wasn't, the disobeying wasn't going off and worshipping the idols and things like that. They disobeyed God and they refused to trust him. Friends, if we, if we bought into this Christian thing, if we've surrendered our life and we call ourselves Christian, why stop now? You know, I'm one of those, and Julie's the same. If we're in it, we're in it for the whole hog. And this year is not a, you won't be, you know, Jesus made it clear, I wish you were hot or cold. I'm telling you, that's symbolic with what's happened. He wants the church to be red hot on fire. And I'm telling you, if you go with him, you will see things you've never imagined. I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you, it's promised in Scripture. In the last days, he'll do things you'll never imagine. But we focus on, all oh, the devil's got these, you know, these, these liars and all that. Of course he has. But God's greater. We've got to understand God's greater than the lies and the, and the delusions of the devil. Press in. Listen to the Spirit in your spirit. Look to what the Spirit's doing. 
God set another time for entering that place of rest. Oh, it's just referring back to the promised land, Steve. No, no, it says here, so God set another time for entering his place of rest, and that time is today. It's a place of rest. The, thir- the third area, and I-, and I think this, because if we learn to listen to the Spirit and operate from our spirit then, and give the battle to God then we're going to have that rest in our spirits. But the area I think the devil's got a hold of the church, generally, is in the area of the soul, the mind. So the rest we need is the rest from worry. Jesus said, Matthew 6, you know, the cares of the world, all these things. People, the average person worries about those things, but it shouldn't be that way with us. Cares, issues of life, those sort of things. So in the three areas, the devil will come and tempt you. One is the physical, work yourself to the bone. Most of us know that that's not a good thing. But he wants to give you rest in your spirit. Go away, listen to what God's saying. Mull over. Because that place of rest, you know what the meaning of of rest is? And when I was talking to my daughter-in-law, I said, God doesn't need rest, so why did he rest on the Sabbath day? I never read it. Could it be that he was looking at his creation? Could it be that he was admiring what he'd done? Could it be that he was looking at you lovingly into the future? And he wants us to have his rest, the rest of Christ, not the rest of some religious organisation that, oh, don't do this today, don't work today. They had the same, Jesus had the same trouble. Oh, your disciples picked corn today. Don't you know what it's about? It's rest where you become one with your God and creator, where you allow him to fill you up and like go to the, you know, and get renewed. And uh, as we read in that definition, it's primarily about the soul. Renew, reflect upon it. Allow the healing of God to come. I think we just, today we're only just touching on this truth. True? But if we have an understanding, wow, there's a lot more in this. God created it from salvation. Jesus fulfilled it and now we entertain it and enjoy it. But I don't know about you, but I look at most of the church and and there's lots of teaching, good teaching. But we need this practical stuff that's going to help us with life. It's going to help us with our struggles, a real thing. And so reading on, and that time is today. God announced this through David a long time ago in words already quoted. Today you must listen to his voice. Don't harden your hearts against him. Wow. And he repeats it. This new place of rest was not a land of Canaan where Joshua led them. If it had been, God would not have spoken later about another day of rest. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who enter into God's rest will find rest. That's what it says. All those who enter into it's a choice. God, I need to enter in. I need my mind refreshing. Teach me. Show me. Let's, you know, in our get-together one-on-one in our small groups, let's talk about what does this mean? How can I do it? We've got to learn how to do this, but we need this foundation of truth. This is what's missing. Maybe other things too. Let us do our best, reading here, verse 11, chapter 4 of Hebrews, let us do our best to enter that place of rest. So the, the instruction is, it's a command, enter into God's rest. And it says here to you today, do your best to enter into that place of rest. For anyone who disobeys God as the people of Israel did will fall. Wow. I'd never heard teaching where the church is disobeying God. You know, it's good. God is who he is. He's he's gentle and calm. Someone 
David, could you just take that? So I put my water down. My finger's going numb. And I'm going I'm to drop the water. But five minutes to go. For the, and for anyone who disobeys God, as the people of Israel did, will fall or fail. Fall. Next verse, it's well known, listen. For the word of God is full and living power. It is sharper than any knife, cutting to the deep innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we've done. You've heard that scripture, many of us. But the context is about entering into God's rest. It's about trusting him and believing him. And if we don't trust him and we take all the worries and try to deal with it our way or moan and whinge like Israel did, you know, we haven't heard too much teaching. Oh, that's unbelief. And he calls it disobedience. But God has much better for you. If you've entered in that place of rest from your sin and, your, and, and those things, that's the beginning of that rest. He says there's another rest. And guess what? There's another rest finally coming. But to secure that, we live in the power and the victories now through our life. I want to finish with this. It's another little bit of a prophetic word I felt God gave me a few weeks ago when I was getting ready and waiting on God. And he says, it's about you. Take it personally. And, And it might be for individuals and it could be for the church. You may seem to have so much potential. People may have prophesied that you have a lot of potential in your life. And I've looked at what God's doing, and I've probably said the same thing. I said, you have a lot of potential. Our church has a lot of potential. But I felt God say, don't worry about the potential. I've given you a promise. See, it's not on the potential. The potential puts the, you know, the effort, the outcome on our ability, doesn't it? But Christ in us, it's his victory, it's his spirit, and he said, I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God said, I'll give you a promise and I've given you a purpose and I'll give you a path and I'll give you a prize. Waiting as we put our trust in him and obey his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. I pray you'll take these um, scattered words and you'll make them real and simple to every one of us that, Father, we'll understand that you've given us and provided us victory. We've only just touched on the surface of what it means to enter into your rest. But everyone today, if there's those burdens and heaviness of heart and mind here today, I pray that it will be miraculous breakthrough the beginning of a new life and all that you've promised us this year for the, as congregation. We agree with you. We don't want to be like the 10 of the 12 who came back with a negative report. Lord, I want to be like the, one of the two old men that went in with the next generation who dared to trust God.